Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Truer words have ever been spoken, I don't believe. Welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker DeFrance is here. Freelance journalist David Layton is visiting with us. Hey. And in Los Angeles, Todd Roberts. Howdy. Oh, Todd. Or he's there someplace. I know he's around. Uh, Apparently seems to be some internet issues with our connectivity. Well, at least I hope he can hear us. Yeah. Once in a while, pop up. And our our guest for uh, this hour is going to be Western Riders. Hello, gentlemen. There he is. Oh, okay. Western Riders of America author Bill Markley is going to be joining us. Hi, Bill. How are you? You're remarkable. Yes, remarkable. Thanks Markley. for inviting me back. You, you know, Thanks for inviting back. me back. Maybe. <laughs> You're always welcome. You're delight. I don't think we've ever you tossed good stuff. We've never tossed anybody off this show, have we? Not yet, anyway. Not yet. Yeah, we're, we're working on Bill, though. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> yeah, you got to really do some stuff to get 86 out of this place. Uh, we're, we're more likely to 86 ourselves yeah, than we are the guests. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Anyway, the bums rush. Yeah, exactly. Before we get going on uh, the uh, topic for today, we got some birthdays that we want to recognize. Last Saturday was Al St. John's birthday. And Herb Jeffries, and the bronze buckaroo. The bronze buckaroo, Al St. John. Uh, you know him as Fuzzy from uh, as Sidekick, uh, to Buster Crabby, to Johnny Mac Brown, to Bob Steele, to... A whole fistful of, fistful yeah. of dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, so yesterday was uh, the birthday of uh, one of my men, my main men, and that would be uh, Shotgun Gibbs, Morgan Morgan Woodward. Morgan Woodward. Yeah. I love that character. Uh, and uh, to, uh, Monday is Rudy Ramos. Right. And who am I leaving out? You're leaving here? out last Thursday, two days ago. Two days ago was Henry Darrow. Henry, Henry Darrow. Manolito. Manolito. Oh, oh, oh. <clears throat> oh, Chiquita. I wish all of those fellows were still with us. Oh, yeah. That would be so cool. So cool to have them with us. Uh, well, they're still in our hearts and in our minds, yeah, and we still keep them on. Very by definitely. About That's exactly right. And let's see, there was something else I'm supposed to tell you about. Did you but have an announcement to I make? I can't get to it because... Mescal? If, if, you know, it's about Mescal because the freaking Google isn't letting me do what it, I should be able to do. Not and Google, you know. It's not going to Google. Yeah, they, they've got an evening thing coming up or a well, concert. You know, they I, got a concert I, coming I, up, don't they? They do, and I truly can't tell you about it because I, I don't want to misquote anything, but until the damn computer... Uh, well, you know what we web, can do. Web browser decides to do what it wants to do. Or we can tell them to go to the Mescal site. That's it. Go to mescalmovieset.com, and you can find out all the nifty happenings that are going to be there. Uh, there's a Dave Stamey concert that's happening oh, in yeah. uh, in uh, uh, St. David. It's been moved there, so uh, check that out. Anyway. And everybody, anybody who's never heard Dave Stamey, yeah. I mean, he's like Don Edwards. That's he's just it. an icon of, of Western music. That's it. Okay, so... Markley is here to talk about his latest tome, which is called Wild Bill Hickok and Buffalo Bill Cody, Plainsmen of the Legendary West. Um, What makes him... Well, before we get into that, Bill has been doing a bunch of these kinds of books. Let's see, we've got uh, Geronimo and Sitting Bull. He compared them. He compared Billy the Kid and Jesse James, uh, Wyatt Earp and, and Bat Masterson. And then he and a, uh, another author friend of ours, Kellen Cutsworth, Cutsworth have been doing Old West Show. They did Old West Showdown, and uh, they did Standoff at High Noon, uh, Battle over the Truth and the Mythic Wild West. And uh, what's the one we got coming up with? Now? Well, that's the that's one that, that we're going. Okay. That's the one that we want to talk to them about. But Kellen's dad passed away uh, just recently, so. Uh, our thoughts and thoughts our out there to you, Kellen, and uh, we'll get you here when when we can. All right. So, what makes these two characters legends of the old <clears throat> west, Bill Markley? Well, um, again, thanks for having me on. And yep, yep, this is the fourth in uh, <clears throat> the Legendary West series. Um, and um, 
you know, Wild Bill and Buffalo Bill, <laughs> Cody, I, I think a lot of people think of those two guys as really um, setting the, the standard of um, what what the West is all about. Um, and especially, you know, Buffalo Bill, Cody, when you think about uh, in his later life, how he uh, became a showman and uh, really took the Wild West to the world with his um, Buffalo Bill's Wild West mm-hmm. extravaganza, where he uh, took it to the East and then eventually over to Europe and uh, brought, again, brought the West to the world. So, and, you know, Wild Bill Hickok, I mean, he's one of those characters that I think a lot of the uh, <clears throat> Old West gunfighters really, um, he was kind of the gold standard of the, the gunfighter as far as I can see. You know, I got a question here, you know, because, you know, you, you mentioned in your book, you, you call him the considered the greatest plainsman of their time. And it got me to thinking, you know, there was a whole slew of other guys out there, uh, you know, like Kit Carson, some of the other old mountain men. But what was it that made these guys stand out head and shoulders above all the rest of them? I know the dime novels played a thing, but there had to be some special thing there that really sparked them. Yeah, I think uh, those two guys and a lot of others, I mean, sure they were outstanding but they were always ready to um you know rush in rush into a um, to maybe a bad situation where other people were were, uh trying to run away from it i mean they were they always stood up they were gonna you know take on any challenge i mean they never backed down from anything and uh and that, I mean, that's what I, I, I found out about. The more I researched both these guys, I mean, that's that's what they did. They they charged ahead when others were yeah. uh, cowering down or running away. And there were a lot of other people like that too. I mean, Kit Carson and others. But um, you know, these two guys really became outstanding as as time went on. Yeah, there was no backup in either one of those guys. Yeah, they they um, you, you know, and they they really got. I mean, both of them really got their start during the, you know, the Civil War. Um, I mean, um, you know, Cody, uh, you know, fought with the Kansas regiment through through uh, the second part of the war, and, and um, Hickok was a, you know, a scout, a spy. He uh, went behind Confederate lines and posed as a Confederate officer, and uh, you know, would always be able to get back to the plan. You know. What was going on with the various generals they planned? So, um, you know, he, early on he became a hero. Okay, before we uh, uh, we were having troubles connecting with the internet, so unfortunately we're probably not having a live stream right now. But hey, that's okay. But we're They're, taping. Okay, right? the show is being taped, and there it's going to play back. And by golly, you just enjoyed listening to it again. Well, I have another question for you, Dan, and this is along the same lines as the last one. Both of them were expert marksmen, and this was an era of expert marksmen. You had guys like Frank Butler. Shooting competitions was one Mm -hmm. of the biggest sports of the day, and yet these guys seemed to stand head and shoulders above the other other marksmen, especially the Buffalo Hunter guys. Right, yeah. Um, They they were both um, expert shots, and they started out as... They started out as kids uh, with their target practice. I mean, you know, Hickok would go out in, into the woods uh, and and hunt their, you know, the family's dinner, you know, small game, you know, what have you. And then later on, he was, um, you know, he saved his money and he um, bought a gun and he went out, um, you know, wolf hunting because there were um, big predator at the time around yeah. his home there. So, and the same with Cody, he. Um, you know, he was always out uh, target practicing with his uh, uh, chums in school and that sort of thing. You know, there's a story about uh, Hickok that I always, I always found fascinating, and that was that he was in the habit of every day uh, breaking down his, his gun or guns, cleaning them, and reloading them fresh every day. And I thought that's very remarkable in itself. That shows you how efficient and how prepared he always was yeah that's right he yes he did that every morning he'd um you know clean his guns he'd uh do target practice um because after a while i mean he 
knew there might be somebody out there that would take him on, and he certainly didn't want to have a misfire, that's for sure. Well, especially he was shooting a thirty-six caliber, and uh, he did carry two um, and, and reversed uh, when he would carry them. Um, and the thirty-six caliber, probably not as reliable as the forty-four, but... It's his pistol of choice over what? Yeah, any idea why he chose that one? Um, I don't. I, I, I don't know why he chose that. And and again, and I'm not a real, i got to admit I'm not a gun expert. But, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. um, he, you know, he had a variety of guns over the yeah. years, and, and so did Cody. And, um, and and so sometimes I think, and, you know, there's that they're purported, purported to be his and others, and I Sometimes I think you just got to take a take them with a grain of salt as to yeah. You know, well, you know, what's too, real and what's not. you know, the handguns back in that era, uh, as Harry mentioned, they weren't always that reliable, and uh, their accuracy and range wasn't that great. No, so, you know, I'm thinking maybe the fact that it was lighter, he's quicker to handle, easier to handle, uh, something something he felt comfortable with. Obviously, wasn't the uh, yeah. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, again, you know, as he you know, loaded them each day, you know, I mean, he would take care as to, um, you know, the gunpowder he was using the, and the, the the ball, the bullet that he put in there and, and did a, wanted to make sure he did a the proper job, you know, when he, yeah. when he did that. Well, it's your life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, his, and that's why the only, took, the only way they took him out was, you know, McCall shooting him in the back of the head. Yep. You know, so. Yep. Well, I was looking into his background, and he was a frontier wagon and stagecoach driver, a Union uh, spy in the Civil War, a frontier scout for the Army, a gunfighter, yeah. a lawman, uh, just, a, you know, yeah. just an action guy. What? Oh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people think of him, you know, with his gunfighter abilities, but um, he was well known as, as a scout, you know, during the Civil War and, and, and uh, during the confrontations with uh, the tribes in Kansas. I mean, he was, you know, he'd go out on his own, I mean, and, um, and reconnoiter the countryside. And uh, I think that takes a lot of guts to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, just to parallel, you know, you've got. You've got uh, Bill Cody, uh, maybe a Pony Express rider, uh, probably was, a Union Army served, Buffalo Hunter, Army Scout, best-known showman of the world in, at his later in his life. Uh, and, you know, the thing is, these guys kept crossing paths all, all through their life. Cody is a young kid on the uh, ox wagon teams, you know, being right. saved by uh, Hickok and getting beat up. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and they um, they were friends, and uh, even though there there was a um, quite an age difference between the two, um, you know they were they were friends throughout their lives. And sure, like anybody, friendships uh, you know they have little squabbles from time sure, to time. Of but, course, but the, the friendship lasted to the end. You know, so. oh, go ahead. Aaron. All right, let's talk about uh, before we hit the break here. Let's talk about the movies of <laughs> Wild Bill Hickok. Um, he watched it last night. <laughs> and I'm positive that they're not all of that accurate, just like the Jesse James movies and, and Billy the Kid movies and such. Watched one last That's night. Not true. I know. <laughs> watched one last night. A young Bill Hickok. Roy Rogers. Now, I didn't know that Bill sung. <laughs> but Bunk, so you didn't know what? I didn't know that he used to sing, but apparently oh. <laughs> Bunk, Bunker says he did. <laughs> yes, yeah. He um, he liked to sing. He liked to, to uh, play the fiddle and dance. Oh, okay. So yeah. part of it but, and, part of it was true. And he loved He loved a good joke. He loved a good joke. He loved practical jokes. Yeah. And he loved to pull your leg. Yeah, so. yeah, <laughs> yeah. This movie, uh, there's a it's it's young Hickok and uh, Roy Rogers plays him and. Uh, uh, who is it? Mabel. No, um, we have a young Calamity Jane, you know, and uh, this is all long before Deadwood, of course. Yeah. This is at the close of the Civil War period. 
and uh, so that that's what that movie centered around. But you know, it, it, hey, he made a he, it, you know it was okay. <laughs> forget it. I was going to say something about those other movies, but let's stay with Bill. Well, and then uh, we have another one that uh, Jeff Bridges did. I for life of me, I can't remember the title. Wild Bill. Wild Bill, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. How about that? It's a hard one. Yeah, I you know I haven't watched them all, but I haven't really seen any that I Wild Bill that really portray. You know, them, them or, or Buffalo Bill that portray them accurately, I don't think. No, probably That's not. That's just my personal opinion. On I that. think it had great wardrobe. Yeah, except great. for Calamity Jane. She didn't look anything like that. No. And that's so important. <laughs> on her. So, so important. Well, wardrobe is, if, yes. If you're a Western guy, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't get facetious with me. <laughs> Uh, I mean, he's, he's the wild, he had the wild Bill hat on. There you go. He had the wild rag. He had the sash. <laughs> and the whole ball of wax. There's, there. a, there's an interesting thing. You know, I have no idea. I know some people did because Charlie Russell did, and, but he wore a sash. Did he? Yeah. Do you know anything about that, Bill, why he was a um, sasher? Yeah, I know that he wore a sash. And, uh, again, I don't know the, um, the background on that. He took it to but the grave. With it, it wouldn't have come from the Civil War, I don't think. No, probably not. I think, yeah, part of it might have been just, you know, chafing or something like that. Because, you know, uh, belts were pretty much, uh, just there was no belt loops yet. So. That's true. No belt loops, and yeah. the only belt that you probably could find would be that which uh, the uh, military uniform had. And, by God, those are not comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> I can tell like, you that for like sure. It's like a cinch on a horse. you got to squeak it down. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's do this. Let's take our first commercial break here. And, uh, Bill, as we come out of this, you're going to hear a little drop from uh, the Wild Bill movie, and then you're going to hear another Wild Bill song. And then we're all going to drop. That I happen to find. And, yeah, hopefully you'll still be with us when we finish yeah. this up here. Uh, we're talking. I don't think any of that is, none of that is in my book. Yeah. So. <laughs> We're talking with author Bill Markley about Wild Bill Hickok and Buffalo Bill Cody, Plansman of the Legendary West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We'll be back with much more after these messages. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West where a large number of Westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tanker Verde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. Watch Old West silent movies anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. 
Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. All right, listeners, you like Westerns, right? You're darn to. I mean, you do listen to this program. So you want a chance to tell the rest of the world which Westerns you think are the best? I'm always ready to back up whatever I say. Here's how. Email us your picks for your top five Westerns. Tell us why you think those five are the best cowboy movies. You got any more you want to say on the subject? Each month, we'll pick one entry and offer you the chance to talk about your choices as a guest on our live stream and resulting podcast of the Voices of the West program. Pretty simple, right? We want to hear from you. We have our men scouring the valley. Email your list to bestwesterns, voicesofthewest at gmail.com. I guess that's all we need to hear. Mr. Hickok? Mr. Hickok, there's a man in the street going to give me a dollar to come in here and tell you that you're a coward and a wife stealer. I can't say the rest, but it was much worse. What did he say? He said that you were a horse molester. Say what horse? This is the voices of the West. Here is a western we saw last night, full of action and dynamite. We thrilled and nearly stood on our head from the moment the hero walked in and said, I'm Wild Bill Hick. I've been a brave and strong. I've been riding the range for six months long. I've been riding the range around enough cattle. I got so many blisters, I'm tall in the saddle. <laughs> All right, enough of that nonsense, I guess. <laughs> Welcome back to Emil Francis, Voices of the West. How come they didn't call him Blister, ba- Blister Bill, you know, Wild, wild uh, Blister Bill? You know, it's Spike Jones. I don't know why. <laughs> We're talking about uh, Wild Bill Hickok and Buffalo Bill Cody, Plainsman of the Legendary West, with Western Writers of America author Bill Markley, and uh, that, in fact, is the title of his latest book. Uh, yeah, I want to. I want to throw. Uh, and before you do that, apologies to uh, our listeners. Uh, we didn't have a. We, whatever reason can't do a live stream or didn't do a live stream because the damn internet decided to go south. Yeah, it's the internet for you. But uh, I wanted to ask Bill, you know, his good amigo Jim Hatzel uh, did the illustrations again and I'll tell you I was doing some checking up on Jim Hatzel. What a guy. Those are great illustrations. And this guy, he's well, he goes all the way back to when Bill started doing reenacting and stuff. I was looking at uh, the pictures from his uh, dances book, mm-hmm. and that was a whole. In fact, I recommend that people go and find Bill's site and look at it because mm-hmm. it's like a history of the making of the movie. Oh yeah, and yeah. great, great photos. Yeah, uh, I'll have to make sure that Jim listens to the uh, rebroadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Jim, Jim and I have been uh, good friends since we met on the set of Dances with Wolves back in 1989. And uh, he's he, um, I mean, in his own right, he's an old West historian, and uh, you know, makes sure that um, you know, in any any of his artwork that he gets, uh, you know, everything right. The the uh, clothing that people might wear during a certain era. Uh, the, what type of saddles they used and tack and uh, he, accoutrements. I mean, he's very good at it. And so I was really happy that he collaborated with me to, on, on the illustrations in the books. Do you think that uh, the dime novels of the day, the Ned Butt lines of the day, are what really turned Hickok and Cody into the legends that they eventually became? You know, I'm going to be a contrarian. I'm going to say no. Okay. <laughs> you think they would have been um, They were, they were all, I mean, both of them were already well-known before um, uh, Buttline and the um, and the Dime novels came okay. out. Okay, okay. Um, in fact, you know, Buttline, um, you know, kind of sought out Cody uh, in, in Nebraska there. And, th- and then he went back and he did, uh, you know, his... Uh, his uh, dime novels and um, also um, the um, started out the, the the one play in New York City, mm-hmm. but Hickok Hickok never liked Buntline uh, <laughs> at all. In fact, uh, 
because because Buntline, you know, killed him off in, <laughs> in one of his uh, uh, comics. He, he had Hickok as as uh, Buffalo Bill's sidekick. Oh, jeez! And uh, and killed him off, uh-huh. and then and then he brought him back later, and pretty much killed him off again. <laughs> and in fact, uh, it's it, it it's kind of funny. Um, there there was um, oh, I think it was like around eighteen. 72 or 3, something like that. Uh, there was a, there was a report that uh, <clears throat> uh, Hickok had been killed by uh, some Texans who were seeking revenge. Uh, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, Coe, who had been, uh, who had, Hickok had shot mm-hmm. in Abilene. And the paper, and it was a very detailed account on how <clears throat> Wild Bill had been shot and killed by these Texans. And so then he, uh, put a retraction in the paper basically saying hey i wasn't killed i'm s- still alive and I'm well and no texan can put me in the ground and then he had and then he added a little ps at the end he said he said you know buntline's been trying to kill me off for years so um well didn't so but- he, he, he didn't like him at all didn't buntline also take some of hitcock's uh, exploits and credit them to cody um, um, that I, that I don't know. I mean, Buntline pretty much made everything up I mean, <laughs> you know, as he went. You know, when they when they went when. Um, so, Bill, I have to ask you. Um, what happened? <laughs> We're waiting, Todd. What I happened? guess we've lost Todd again. Oh God! Oh God! No. He had to ask me. He had to ask me. <laughs> The, the, I'm still here. There but you I, go. I guess I'm so oh. delayed. I apologize. That's okay. Go ahead. That's all right. I'm, I'm so delayed. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Can yeah. You, yeah. Ask him. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. I'm here. Can you hear me? We got you, sir. Okay. So, um, basically, Bill, I have two, you know, comparative questions. Um, would you say that what is uh, what what is the two biggest myths? That you dis- that you were able to clear up about both Bill Cody and Buffalo Bill, and what are the two things that you discovered that no one really knew about e- either of them as well? Maybe you only have one of one and one of the other, but I'm just curious as a double-sided question. Yeah, um, I I think uh, one with uh, <coughs> Wild Bill Hickok um, <coughs> in. Um, when he was um, town marshal in Abilene, um, it, you know, uh, John Wesley Hardin uh, allegedly had um, confrontation with him and did what was called the, the border roll, you know, reverse his gun, you know, he was going to hand him over to Hickok, reverse his, hunt, his guns and got the drop on him. And, and Hickok always left him off and t- let him wear his guns in town and that sort of thing. As far as I can tell, that's total myth that was made up by heart. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are people out there that will disagree with me, and that's fine. But um, the more I researched the thing, the, that stuff came strictly from Hardin, and there was no one else that backed up any of his claims. So I think it was, you know, years later after, you know, Hickok was gone and Hardin, you know, right before Hardin was was killed himself, he had put together this manuscript and he said how he got the drop on Wild Bill and and, all, and Hickok allowed him to wear his guns and stuff, but I, I don't see that as being the case. There's no absolutely no other uh, accounts of that to back up Hardin, so um, I think that's all a myth. Don't you think Hardin uh, probably would have shot him if he had to drop on him? Because yeah. He kind of he liked <clears throat> that reputation. Yeah, I, yeah. Harden was a bad guy. I mean, he. Uh, yeah. Well, he, would, he had already been him. in prison though for so long. Well, I don't think you would want that, to go back. You know, at the point in time when he was um, he was in Abilene as a young, you know, cowboy, um, he had not been to prison yet at that time. Yeah. Um, but but he would be later later on in life. But you know, he claimed to, to kill. Uh, you know. A lot of people on, <laughs> on his way up from Texas to to yeah. uh, and he wasn't and, counting uh, wasn't counting Mexicans or Indians. <laughs> no, well, no, he did. Well, he, he was. He he, can't, he 
you killed several Mexican, well, maybe four Mexicans during the cattle drive, and at least two Indians on the way up. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, he was a bad character. Yeah. But you have to remember too that there were there were um, you know hundreds, if not thousands, of cowboys in Abilene at that time, um, and you know for you know Hickok to pal around with Harden, I, I just don't. I just don't see it, and there was no other accounts of it. So yeah, because these were and, all... and Harden did he did kill at least two people while he was in the the Abilene area there too. So and then he got out of town real quick. Yeah, so that 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 was a myth. Um, the other one, um, which I think is <clears throat> kind of interesting, is with uh, with the um, the the murder of Wild Bill Hickok, mm-hmm. where he was he was assassinated by Jack McCall in. Uh, Saloon number ten in, in, in Deadwood, uh, the, the uh, aces and eights story that he held in his hand, um, that that did not come out until um, the um, early 1930s mm-hmm. uh, in a letter that was um, uh, sent to an author by um, uh, the, a guy who was a, a doctor at the time uh, in <coughs> Deadwood. Well, actually, he was a he was a doctor, but he was. Uh, working as a doctor in Deadwood, and he um, he helped uh, take care of the body. He was one of the first people in Saloon Number Ten to view the the body, Hickok's body, and he said that uh, Hickok's hand was crimped, and that in the hand, his hand was uh, the aces and eights. And so um, that is a possibility. But the thing is, he's the only person that's ever said that. Hmm. And he was also known as a noted prankster in the Black Hills, <laughs> uh, somebody who, who would tell tall tales. So with that caveat, <laughs> legend, <laughs> you, you know, you can take it or believe it, you know, take it or leave it. Print the legend. You, you just got to know the guy that told the story was you know, known I'm, for telling tall tales. That's so, interesting. Um, I learned a real yeah. neat thing when you were writing about this particular incident with that is that there was only one chair in Deadwood. It was a rocking chair that they set mostly on stools. And right. That, and yeah. that at the, game, the poker game, they would have all been sitting uh, on stools. And I've never seen a movie yet where they weren't sitting in chairs. Yeah. That's right. Yep. They were sitting on stools because, um, remember, Deadwood had just started up uh, in December 1875. And this was... Um, you know, beginning of August 1876, and the only way that you could get anything to Deadwood was, um, you know, hauling it by wagon. Mm-hmm. And what they would do, you know, chairs would take up a lot of room. So what they would do is they'd have stools and they'd telescope the stools together and load them on the wagons that way. So yeah, there was only one chair in, in town at That's so funny. time. It was a rocking chair, and um, the guy wouldn't let anybody sit in. So well, any, any truth to the rumors uh, about? Hickok and Calamity Jane and and whatever relationship they may have had. Yeah, the, it's all made up yeah. myth. Um, uh, Calamity Jane um, when when they um, Hickok and Charlie uh, Utter and um, the others a guy named named uh, White Eye Anderson. They called him White Eye because uh, he had, one of his eyebrows had been singed off by a buffalo chip, burning buffalo chip, and uh, grew back white. Um, wow. <laughs> but but any, anyway, uh, White Eye uh, wrote a memoir, and uh, in that he said that uh, they picked up Calamity Jane in um, Fort Laramie. She was in the guardhouse at the time, and the officer of the day said, well, you take this woman off my hands, and they, <laughs> they agreed to take her with them. Yeah. You know, and they, they gave her, she was basically naked. They gave her clothing, and uh, but she, uh, she stayed with... Uh, uh, Steve Utter, who was Charlie Utter's brothers, mm-hmm. they they were uh, together during that whole time and uh, didn't take up with Hickok at all. Um, I mean, Hickok Hickok was kind to her, you know, befriended her. He let her drink his whiskey. He had a small whiskey keg that he took along with him on the trip, and every morning he let the boy, you know, anybody come up and you know have a cup of whiskey. Nice. <laughs> his keg, which ran out uh, halfway through. I opened them. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get your day started right. Nice. Um, but anyway, uh, no. And, uh, years later, then calamity. Uh, you know, kind of. You know, 
you know, she would basically say anything to, you know, make a buck too, and started mm -hmm. the story that they might have been lovers. But that was, um, again, all myth. She was the queen of the windy, that's for sure. <laughs> queen of the windy, I like that. Hey, we're going to do our yeah. next commercial break. But Wild Bill Hickok and Buffalo Bill Cody, Plainsman of the Legendary West, is the book. The author is Bill Markley, member of Western Writers of America. And this is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts, David Layton's Well, we'll be back with much more after these important messages. Stay tuned. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 skeet fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. You've got some Cattle you want rustled, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. Little lady up the road a piece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step near and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchmen to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but like henchmen to pull off the job. What to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call Red a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scrappy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red a Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Red a Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the proper henches around you. And that's just a gentle hench. When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our rent henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your shoulder, get a Renahance to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Renahance, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work. My name is Rudy Ramos. I played Wind in season four of The High Chaparral. And I thank you for listening to Voices of the West. Abel Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles, sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> David Layton is here with us, our guest, Bill Markley, Western Writers of America author, and we're talking about Wild Bill Hickok and Buffalo Bill Cody, Plainsman of the Legendary West, his latest book. We've spent the first half hour talking about uh, Hickok, let's, uh, let's mosey on over to Bill Cody. And uh, talk about him. He well, had. Let's extend my question. Yes. That I had asked to uh, Cody, if uh, if Bill would like to talk about uh, the biggest myth and then the biggest undiscovered truth. Good. Oh, okay. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> and that's a difficult question because um, Cody was known to embellish everything. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, but, you know, there, there was, you know, grains of truth, I think, in, in most everything that he talked about. But he did embellish. And, and um, if you want to read, um, you know, he's, there's several autobiographies that he put out. But, but get, the one, get the one that he first did uh, that came out um, in the, the um, I think it was like 18, 
7778, something like that. That All the experts believe that that one is the most accurate of all the others hmm. um, that that came out later. Um, they're embellished. Um, it seemed like everybody embellished things, even his own sisters. You know, they, they uh, each came out with a book. About his wife did. And um, it just seems that everybody liked to embellish his life. But if you start digging around and looking at things, which I tried to do, um, I think there, there's always uh, grains of truth in, in, in a lot of these things. But um, you, you just got to, you know, get through the weeds to get to them. And, you know, I might have, you know, like anything, I might have, uh, as I've gone through the research, accepted something as truth where maybe it was made up. But I tried uh, my darndest to, to get to the 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 reality of things. And so in the book, if there is something that is, um, you, you know, uh, uh, you might be skeptical about, I, you know, I, I let people know what the sources are so they can go back and look themselves. So with that being said, um, there, <laughs> there's one instance where um, in the um, uh, late 1860s, uh, uh, General Hancock's out there, uh, they're they're going after some of the Plains tribes in Kansas, and uh, Custer and the Seventh Cavalry are along, and and Cody talks about where he has to take Custer and a few other officers, uh, get them to where Hancock is from uh, a particular fort, and they have to ride something like uh, 50 miles or something, and uh, he's mounted on a mule, and the others are mounted on their horses, and uh, Custer. Uh, gives him a hard time about being mounted on a mule. Uh, long story short, uh, the horses uh, outdistance the mule, but then Cody's mule finally catches up with them and out- outruns them all and gets uh, to where they need to go first before anyone else. And uh, uh, Custer uh, begrudgingly um, admitted that Cody knew what he was doing with that. Well, un- unfortunately, um, that story is not collaborated by anyone else at the time and it, it does it just doesn't fit uh the known history of the time mm. and so it's probably a fabricated story but it's a great maybe story. someday some maybe someday somebody will find where it actually fits in but it, you, uh, you damn researchers you keep looking for things <laughs> well, <laughs> print the legend I, damn it print the legend but, but, well, I did. I put it in, but I said, I don't know where this fits, and it could be false. That's one of the things I like about your book is, you yeah. know, you, you you print the fact, yep. and then you come to something else, and you say, that's not a fact, and yep. then you come to something else and say, you, the reader, decide. You know, <laughs> This and could be a fact. I, I love that because, you yeah. know, the classic thing, Cody and the Pony Express, was he, did he? You know, maybe, and yeah. <laughs> and I, I I kind of go with your your take on it. You know, what what, what yeah. share your take? I well, I think I think he was out there. I mean, he'd been working, um, you, you know, for the um, you know the freighting firm for a while that that then um, uh, established the, the Pony Express, and he had been you know a, a rider for them, uh, you know, going riding between bull trains and back, back to the office and that sort of thing. So he, he was a, he was a good writer, well-known writer. I think probably what, what happened was he was working at, you know, some of the, the relay stations out there. And when they needed, you know, when somebody couldn't ride for one reason or another, they probably let young Billy, uh, do it, you know, take the horse and go with it because they knew he could do the job. So I, I think that he did ride at times, but, Probably maybe not to the extent that um, I think it, I, you know it's published. I agree with you because I, I think you know it's a, the thing is we we put too much stake sometimes in the written record because a lot of stuff didn't get in the record. And but one of the things I, I, I maybe you'd comment on is that uh, so-called uh, extended ride he did. You know, there. Uh, one of the stations would burn out he like 48 or some odd miles and then turn around and came back and that's the that's the one that kind of stretches the credibility for me yeah and then when he um you know he came upon those uh horse thieves or whatever and um you know shot one of them and you know so i don't know like i said he embellished a lot um 
you know, I think he probably told a told tale here and there, but I think the, the grain of truth is, is that he probably did ride for the Pony Express from time to time, but not to the extent uh, mm-hmm. that, that he um, put in his books. I mean, he also said that, you know, um, while Bill, Bill Hickok rode for the Pony Express, but there is no evidence that he did that. I mean, he did work as a teamster. He did work as a stagecoach driver. And then he was uh, working at uh, Rock Creek Station um, in, in Nebraska uh, for the, you know, uh, the, the the firm when he had the the um, gunfight with uh, McCann. Yeah, because they both work for the same company. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and again, I mean, like I said, their paths crossed all the time. Yeah. Well, they, you know, uh, we know, you know, we talked a little bit about Hickok's scouting. Let's talk a little bit about Cody's scouting because he was, uh, he seemed to have scouted for an awful lot of very important people. And oh, yeah. And was almost at the little bighorn. Yep. Yeah, in fact, um, well, yeah, he, uh, when uh, hostilities were breaking out, I mean, he, he left the left the stage back east and came out and, of course, um, you know there was the the fight at Warbonnet Creek, where um, and uh, where you know it was basically a one-on-one uh, contest between uh, him and um, uh, Yellow Hair, uh, misnamed Yellow Hand, right? But, but Yellow Hair, and then um, I mean he was an excellent scout. I mean when he when he got to Crooksman uh, near Sheridan, Wyoming today, I mean the the, the troops cheered when he they came in and. Uh, and they were just happy to see him. In fact, he was, um, so after the little bighorn, uh, after Crook got done his uh, hunting and fishing expedition in, in the bighorn mountains, and saying that facetiously, he should, you know, he just stayed in camp. He should have taken off, but he didn't. And then Terry comes down uh, with the, the rest of the, you know, the remainder of the 7th Cavalry and the other troops. Um, they're converging on each other. And the first one who makes contact between those two armies is Buffalo Bill Cody. Hmm. You know, I mean, so he was out and, um, you know, recognized him and rode in the camp. And uh, and Terry's men all cheered. The 7th Cavalry cheered when he rode in. So, you know, he was a very popular um, scout. Um, men knew that he uh, knew what he was doing when he was out on a scout and, uh, and uh, continued on after that until they got um, – you know, further down the the Yellowstone River, and then he he got tired of this, you know the dalliance of Terry and Crook, and finally left the, the expedition. Kind of, <laughs> I get the feeling disgust. he kind of liked the bright lights once in a while. You think? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's you know, and that's the thing that was really different about the two of them. Cody really wanted attention. He really enjoyed. You know the applause of crowds and that sort of thing, and Hickok didn't. You know, Hickok just wanted to be left alone <laughs> and do his own thing. Play poker, and, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's like you know, the classic scene is where in New York, um, Rochester, New York, where you know, Cody, you know, stomps off the scene. I mean, I'm not Cody. Uh, Hickok stomps off the scene during the middle of the performance, and you know, that's it. <laughs> Well, let's talk a little bit about how Cody got his name. You well, know, let's do that before after, let's, the, commercial? after the commercial okay, break, let's do because that. I think we might uh, just get more involved here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bill Markley is our guest here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We'll be back with much more right after this. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities 
activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tank Verde in Tucson. 520-777-1911. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. As we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform, let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. All right, listeners, you like Westerns, right? You're to. I mean, you do listen to this program. So you want a chance to tell the rest of the world which Westerns you think are the best? I'm always ready to back up whatever I say. Here's how. Email us your picks for your top five Westerns. Tell us why you think those five are the best cowboy movies. You got any more you want to say on the subject? Each month, we'll pick one entry and offer you the chance to talk about your choices as a guest on our live stream and resulting podcast of the Voices of the West program. Pretty simple, right? We want to hear from you. We have our men scouring the valley. Email your list to bestwesterns, voicesofthewest at gmail.com. I guess that's all we need to hear. You know, these Arizona cows are so different. Back in New York, we don't fight cows. We just milk them. (laughs) This is the Voices of the West. You just can't get any better music than that. Hey, you, know, you ever milk a buffalo? Uh, uh, no, never will and never have. <laughs> what about you, Bill? You ever milk a buffalo? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm, no, I don't think I'd ever try. <laughs> Welcome back, Table Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker de France. Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. David Layton, our freelance journalist, is with us. Sitting here. <laughs> and uh, Bill so, Markley is Bill, our guest. Go ahead. I've got to yeah. ask you. I've got to ask you, Bill, is it true that uh, Hickok's greatest dis- disappointment was that he um, shot his deputy by accident and or how he felt on it? Did it gnaw on him? And as far as as far as Cody goes, did it bother Cody as much as the rumor or legend says it does that when he found out Sitting Bull had been killed? Um, okay, um, first, uh, when, yeah, Hickok shot that <clears throat> deputy in, in Wichita, um, yeah, I, I think it probably bothered him to the, the point, I mean, he finished out his, his term as, um, 
as marshal there, but um, he never again uh, worked a, as a lawman after that. Although um, there is a possibility that he continued to work as a um, uh, deputy U.S. marshal uh, from time to time when they needed him to do that. Um, but uh, yes, there was remorse. He paid for the uh, the funeral. Um, uh, of his friend that, that was shot and killed. And you know, you got to think, you know, it's at night. Um, he's facing down a, a mob of uh, drunken Texans at the time, and people were shooting. And uh, the guy ran ran right in front of him as he was, uh, you know, shooting at Co. So, um, yeah, I, I know that he was, yeah, when, you know, he took him inside, laid him down on a billiard table. Uh, chased everybody out of that bar, and in a fury, he he uh, he chased all the Texans out of town after that that same evening. Um, so he was he was ticked off when uh, and, and mad, angry, sad. You know, all those emotions rolled into one. Um, let's see. Oh, and then Buffalo Bill with Sitting Bull. Yeah, what 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 a travesty. Um, uh, mm-hmm. General Miles had, um, when when they wanted during this is years later, uh, 1890 during uh, the time of the Ghost Dance, the government thought Sitting Bull was, you know, one of the instigators of the Ghost Dance, and uh, that there was going to be a, re- a rebellion, and, um, and and that was really not the case. But they wanted they wanted Sitting Bull arrested, and General Miles uh, knew that that Cody and Sitting Bull were friends, and he. Uh, invited Cody to actually go to Standing Rock and bring Sitting Bull in. And so Cody went there with a couple of friends, and um, when the um, agent uh, uh, McLaughlin there uh, couldn't stand Sitting Bull, um, he uh, he wanted to arrest him his own way. He um, worked with the commander at Fort Yates to, uh, and the officers to try to get Cody drunk and his friends. Well, Cody was a known drinker and uh, could drink anybody under the table. Uh, but any, anyway, they tried to delay him, and uh, they, they finally got a telegram of the President of the United States who uh, rescinded Miles' uh, order for Cody to uh, go get Sitting Bull, and Cody had to stand down. I mean, he, he was on his way out there. He was a couple miles, you know, 10 miles from Fort Yates, whatever, and his wagon was filled with uh presents for Sitting Bull and his family and, uh, you know, Sitting Bull's favorite candy and everything. And they rode out and stopped him and sent him back. And, and he said it, it, if, it, if he, could, he could have definitely brought Sitting Bull in and the tragedy of his uh, uh, killing would never have happened. The, um, the book is so. Wild Bill Hickok and Buffalo Bill Cody, Plainsman of the Legendary West. The author is Bill Markley. It's from Two Dot Publishing. Came out just last month. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, but, uh, Roman, uh, and Littlefield, and bunches of other places. I'm sure. And, and Bill, what's uh, quickly? Can, can, go ahead. Yeah. Can I go back to the names you asked about? How you guys name? And that's for. Yeah. Time? Yeah. Quickly, we got like a minute left. Oh, oh a minute. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I really believe this is how it happened. His, his wife Louisa was with him for a while. Um, um, sorry, west of um, Hayes City there, and she, he was out at, at the end of the line, and um, one day she was out there visiting, and she heard uh, one of the him given the name Buffalo Bill, and she asked um, uh, one of the, the cook there uh, how he got that name, and the cook said that one of the workers uh, came up with a little poem, and so here's the poem. Buffalo Bill, Buffalo Bill. Never missed and never will. Always aims and shoots to kill. And the company pays his buffalo bill. And that's where he got his name. Very Good stuff. Good stuff, Bill Markley. Thank you much for joining us this afternoon. Appreciate it muchly. We didn't get to ask him what he's got in the fire. I know. We didn't get a chance to ask him. Quickly, Bill, what do you got in the fire? What I got in the fire? Yeah. What's Um, coming up? That's... um, um, we'll, we'll leave that as a mystery. Okay. <laughs> okay. Next show. Yeah, very good. All right. You're the only guest it, on the show, Bill, that has ever come on and not shamelessly plugged I their know. next project. 
it's so a you, you might be you might be going into the Hall of Fame, Bill. He's humble. He's a humble man. <laughs> he needs to be invited back. Yes, he will be. <laughs> I got many, plenty more stories. Many so. times. Thanks. Many times, indeed. Next time we get together on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West is uh, next Saturday. Yeah. And it's going to be movie Saturday. Our topic is going to be character actresses and who's our guest? of the Old West, and our guest is the lovely Chris Enns. And she knows her ladies. Boy, does she ever. So uh, that's it for this edition of Amal Francie's Voices of the West. 78, 79, 80 O's, 80 Bills. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West. 